Sup, freaks. Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Recap. Another big week, Matt. None of us are drinking. Yeah. Neither of us are drinking. Huge, huge week. I have a White Claw on the side. I'm currently drinking a cold uh, nitro cold brew, and then I'm going to open the White Claw. Yeah, we need to, we need to pick um, up these vibes. Just to clarify for the freaks, uh, you didn't break your sober October for the Leo episode. It was it was the the last. It was the it was the, it was probably what pushed you over the edge to say you're going to do a sober October, right? It was the last recording before sober October, um, yeah. but like uh, like George Washington, I cannot tell a lie. Uh, I've not been completely sober this October. I've been sober from <laughs> sober for most of October. It's uh, the eighth. It uh, had a big family gathering last Saturday. Wow. You know. Wow. Last time we take Marty at face value, freaks. Hey. Noted. I, hey, I just fessed up, you know. It would be terrible if I sat here and said uh, otherwise, you know. We we appreciate the disclosure, Marty. <laughs> Transparency is appreciated. Uh, hey, you know what? You got to be the change you want to see in the world. I cannot tell a lie. Uh Big week. Should we start the dashboard and just get into things? Obviously, people are excited. Yeah, let's about just jump into things. This is one of those weird weeks where I'm like extra bullish and extra bearish at the same time. Yeah, a lot so of I, a lot of gray hairs being formed on my head. <laughs> a lot of mixed feelings this week. A lot of big announcements from publicly traded companies, from uh, uh, regulators, Department of Justice. Let's get into it. We're going to start at Clark Moody's dashboard where the price of Bitcoin right now at 3.24 p.m. Eastern is $10,882. Uh, a dollar is going to get you 9,189 sats. The Bitcoin market capital, market capital, market capitalization is $201.4 billion. We're currently at block 651854 uh, The next difficulty retarget is in 1,330 blocks. It is estimated to be a 2% upward difficulty adjustment, and blocks are coming in at roughly 9 minutes and 48 seconds. There was a difficulty adjustment since we last met. It was a downward difficulty adjustment of uh, 0.1%, so nothing too crazy there. Um, But the block time difference was 9.51. That's interesting. Blocks are coming in under 10 minutes per block yet there was a downward adjustment uh right now there are thirty five thousand two hundred thirty nine transactions in the mempool uh still got because it's just barely under 10 yes we uh we have the ability to send one sat per byte transactions uh, if you're willing to wait a week if you're trying to get your last time if if you have uh, a time preference that then only lasts a day. You can get a transaction through at three sats per byte. If you need to get it in an hour, it's 106 sats per byte. And if you need it next block, you might want to set your transactions with a 112 sat per byte fee. The hard part with the fees is like the middle ground, you know? Like I don't, I, I clearly know when it's like, I can I can either wait and it's a self transfer, right? And it's like one sat per byte, or like I'm like it's it's to someone you know, right? And it could be like a one sat per byte that can take whenever whenever it goes through, it's fine. Or it's you know ASAP, right? Like what is who's the guy who's like, you know, I'm willing to wait like eight to sixteen hours. Like who is that dude? Like what transaction is that transaction? 
Yeah, and the game theory works out too, like how much do you factor in potential uh, increased congestion within that time period? Yeah, it's like Asia wakes up, you're like, I can wait seven hours, then Asia wakes up, and it's like 14 hours instead. Yeah. That's why, hey, make it RBF right now, uh, according to Clark's That's d- true. dashboard, 12.3% of the transactions in the mempool are using RBF. Uh, Whirlpool, I mean, you don't even have this on the list, but we've got to bring it up. Uh, Whirlpool liquidity right now is 1,645.99 Bitcoin. Uh, the cycles the last 30 days are 9,260. Um, Wait, so- what is the liquidity at? 1,600, basically 46 Bitcoin. Yeah, okay. Uh, what do we have to bring up? Yeah, just like the flame wars. They were heating up this week. Ugh. Everyone's a hypocrite. Yeah, but like the flame wars. Again, I recommend to anybody working on these technologies, I know you have uh, your critiques, your doubts, uh, your your beef with warring factions and the coin join wars but i do think the flame wars do a uh, disservice to uh, the concept of coin joining at large because it truly does confuse a lot of people like what works what doesn't i will be definitive here and say that i think the way samurai wallet acts in social media detracts from the whole the whole educational effort tremendously that's extremely frustrating. I'd also say that the white knights that are anti-samurai, you know, are not innocent here. They're the fucking obsessed with attacking samurai every day. They come out and it's something else, you know. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Eric Wall said something interesting, uh, which I probably am not clear enough all the time, but that UX is is almost as important as the underlying privacy tech because you need it to be easy enough that we have a large enough people to use it because otherwise you have no privacy, um, which is one of the reasons. What I was going to say, before you get into this diatribe, maybe we should just read the first shout-out because um, we have a shout-out that... But that's different. Before we get to that shout-out. Okay, okay. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I like the samurai stack so much. Um, People said, some people said that I'm not critical enough of, of samurai. My biggest issue with samurai is besides the, the way they act on, on social media, which is, you know, they have deference. I I don't need to tell people that they see it. Um, Is, is, is the actual wallet code. Uh, But they're working on making that cleaner. That it's one of the reasons why it's still a beta product. It's one of the reasons why they haven't prioritized making it a reproducible build because they're refactoring so much in the code base that they're changing so much in the code base um, that it would just be a constant, constant effort. Uh, so that's my biggest criticism there. The, as far as the actual implementation, the Whirlpool implementation, the CoinJoin implementation, I think it's fucking fantastic. I think if, if Wasabi actually wanted to to improve their situation for their users, they would fork Whirlpool and they would just, they would run the Whirlpool implementation within the Wasabi code, code base, the wallet code base with their Neutrino and everything else. They won't do that for ego reasons. 
the best case scenario would be if they shared that liquidity pool, which is one of the reasons why I'm working with Hexa to get Whirlpool into Hexa Wallet and where they share that liquidity pool, that unspent capacity pool. Um, and then last but not least, uh, you know, like if, if to go back to the UX thing, like, yeah, that's the problem with join market, right? The problem with join market is the UX is just not there. And if the UX isn't there, we're not going to get enough users to use it. So, yeah. so, so anyone who, any, to the, to the people that want to recommend join market to, to, to the new users, by all means do that. Um, but you should answer the support requests. Yeah, so much nuance goes into all of it, and it does get confusing. Like the uh, the uh, accusation that that samurai team is is a bunch of CIA spooks scares a bunch of people too. I don't they th- both say it. I know. I don't think the either samurai of them guys are. say wasabi spooks, and then uh, the the anti samurai people, who by the way mostly don't recommend wasabi anymore. They just do shallow recommendations of join market, and and most of them probably don't even fucking use join market. Uh, say that the samurai guys are spooks, and and they both say that the other one that they're innocent of the fucking shit. Yeah, it's they're all fucking full of shit, man. Yeah, so we're here to say, hey, the flame wars as objective outside. I think I'm more of an outside observer. I know that you get in the middle of the flame war sometimes uh, in back channels. Uh, I think I'm more of an outside objective observer. I don't think the flame wars are, are beneficial to the uh, the the goals of both implementations. So I don't know. This is not that I don't think you guys are going to take my advice, but it's unsolicited advice that it's cool down the flame wars. Throw some water on the flame wars. Just put your head down. On, do your do your work. Present your work. And let it speak for itself. On a positive note, our boy Bitcoin Q and A released. Bitcoin privacy dot guide this week, which is just a really great place to just ignore the noise and and go through Bitcoin privacy tools. I yeah. just think it's a very user friendly, you know, intro to, to that world. So I, I think everyone should check that out uh, at least learn, you know, just just learn about it, read about it, do your own research, ideally play around with it. But even if you don't play around with it, read up, get on educated it. on it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's eight pages, sourcing your Bitcoin, securing your Bitcoin, segregating your Bitcoin, scrutinizing your Bitcoin transactions, separating your Bitcoin from its past, safeguarding your Bitcoin, spending your Bitcoin, and then supplementary tools. So if you're interested in any of those topics, again, BitcoinPrivacy.Guide, obviously we're going to link to that in the show notes. But while we're on it, um, this topic particularly we're going to read, we have four shout outs this week. We're just going to read one now, um, which is Hi Matt. Let's break, we're going to break it up a little bit. Hi, Matt. The BitMEX AML saga has me pretty scared right now. Looks like the gov, the government is serious about AML. And on your advice, I put my coins through a Wasabi a while back. It's now dawning on me that I've associated a good portion of my coins with a blacklisted address in a rush to take steps to avoid the fascist boot of the government. I think I've actually opened myself up to be a very easy target t- for them. And even though Samurai is better, it's still easy to see that someone has interacted with their quote-unquote cluster obviously we both do not believe in taint but then i think about the scene from blow where the judge mocks johnny depp for not believing in borders right before he locks him up yeah oof 
So in light of all this, would you mind just dropping a disclaimer on coin joins before uh, encouraging people to taint their coins in the future? Some noobs like me uh, might not understand they're making their coins worth less and are really putting themselves in danger. Thanks. Love you guys. I don't think you're making your coins worth less, but... You want to respond to this first, Marty? Yeah. The question is directed towards you, but I will put my two sats in here. Uh, number one, you don't believe in taint. Taint doesn't exist. I don't think so. Uh, your coins can be put on a blacklist or a whitelist, but it's highly unlikely um, that it will prevent you from moving your Bitcoins, especially if you uh, have them in... Uh, personal custody and then when you do move them if you do so happen to be on a blacklist and you're not doing anything illegal um, uh, you should be fine and on top of that they'll have to find you uh, and then again you're even if your coins are associated with one of these lists at least up to this point in time uh, I don't believe there's two markets for bitcoins that have touched certain addresses at least not to my knowledge so I don't think you're losing it any value of your UTXOs other than the fees you may have paid to CoinJoin. Okay, so let's unpack this. First of all, absolutely, if you're trying to just trade your coins for fiat, you know, buy some for investments, sell them right away on a KYC exchange, then you shouldn't even mess with CoinJoin. Um, that, that's a completely different prerogative than, than me. I have a, a long-term investment horizon. I'm basically just buying and holding Bitcoin uh, for my grandchildren. You know, this is going to be 10, 20 years, 30 years, no intention of selling them on Coinbase. Um, if, if, you, if you differ from that, then obviously you're in a different situation there. I, I think we've been pretty clear about it, but point taken, we will be more clear going forward. Second thing is CoinJoin is not illegal in the Western world. It, you know, we're going to talk about a bunch of things that are bad news here in terms of user privacy, but none of them have said that CoinJoin users are at, you know, are, are illegal users. Um, that privacy in itself is a crime. No, no one has said that here. Uh, we will unpack them, but most of it is on operators, first of all, of operators of custodial mixers or operators of businesses that are operating custodial wallets without following regulations, which in, in effect act as a, as a mixer, not CoinJoin. And they don't even, they're not even targeting the operators of the coin joint services yet, of the, of, of the non-custodial coin joint services yet, like uh, Samurai or Wasabi. So not only are they not targeting the users, they're not targe targeting the operators. This, the third thing is, the only time we've seen coin joint flags have been with that Wasabi fixed fee address. They don't have that fixed fee address anymore after we bitched about it for fucking months, and they dragged their feet and finally fucking removed it. We haven't seen, I'm pretty sure we haven't seen any flags since they removed it, which is amazing. That's exactly what we said was going to happen. Um, so, and, and, and the fourth thing is, if, if, if you're not a criminal and your, your, your transaction did get flagged with that fixed fee address, what happened was the exchange would ask you more questions. It wasn't like you were going immediately to jail um, or, or so, so, you know, you had to explain yourself that you're, you're a law-abiding citizen. You're just, you just believe that privacy is important because it is. Um, this might not always be the case. Coin coins with a coin joint history are obvious on chain. So they might block them in the future. They haven't yet. So Freak, if you're worried about it, 
if if you're from the if you're from the fixed fee address time, maybe run it through Wasabi one more time or run it through Samurai so you don't have that fixed fee address just sitting there. Send it back into the KYC exchange you bought it from and either sell it to them or you can just leave it in that KYC exchange. Like if the way I look at it is if if coin join if if coins if if Bitcoin that have a coin joint history, like any history are just non-fungible, can never be used again. Like, how far back are we going? Are we going eight hops? Are we going six hops? Are we going ten hops? Uh, if it goes, if it goes into lightning and then and then comes out of a lightning, is it, is it? Is there still coin join history there? Like, how far back do you go? And we we see with Bitmex now, they're flagging Bitmex coins with Bitmex history, which is like two hundred fifty thousand, three hundred thousand coins. So in that kind of situation, if you're not able to spend, buy a sandwich in 10 years, 15 years um, through lightning or whatever with coins that have coin join history, like Bitcoin, like Bitcoin's in serious shit. Like we're in a really fucking bad place. Like if, if you believe in any kind of mission here in terms of like free sovereign money, uh, like we're losing that battle hardcore if, if that's the situation. So so you really just have to decide for yourself, do you want cuck money or do you want better money? And if you want cuck money, like that's fine. Just leave your coins on Coinbase or do one hop out to a ledger. Don't use your own node. And like, that's that, right? And, and, and if your government bans Bitcoin, then you just go hand it in, you know? And, and, but, but don't give me this bullshit on Twitter about how like you're fighting the man and all this shit because you're not doing that. Co-signed. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like we say many, many times on this podcast, there's a lot of nuance. Know your particular situation, your risk appetite, uh, your time horizon, what you're doing here. Uh, yeah, it's, and it's, it's something I think, again, even though we just said the flame wars really, uh, really hinder people's confidence in these coin join uh implementations if you take a step back and aren't aware of the the coin jo- or excuse me the flame wars and you just have been objectively observing the software over time i do believe it has gotten better and will continue to get better moving forward uh but again it's a personal decision make sure you're educated again go check out bitcoin q a's privacy guide uh and and no it's it's uh it's hard to attain privacy on bitcoin and it's going to be a journey and it's going to be hard work so be aware and that's the other thing about the flame wars, right? It's like if you believe what you see on, you know, on, as particularly from samurai and anti wasabi things, is that people have gone to jail for using CoinJoin. No one has gone to jail for using CoinJoin. Certain criminals have gone to jail because they've made mistakes and because their CoinJoin implementations have been flawed. But they went to jail for the crimes they committed that they tried to hide using CoinJoin. They didn't go to jail for for using CoinJoin. Will we will we end up? Could we end up in a situation in the future where you go to jail for using CoinJoin? Maybe, but we could also end up in a future where you go to jail for using Bitcoin or you go to jail for fucking protesting. You know, like that's called an authoritarian society. Like that's not a great place to fucking be. And I'd hope my grandkids aren't in that place. I do as well. 
And you know what? I think we're just going to start off the podcast with uh, news that makes us angry. But before we do that, I'm going to let you freaks know that this episode is brought to you by great friends at the motherfucking Cash App. I don't know if you heard, uh, but Cash App's parent company, Square, announced that they're allocating to Bitcoin. We're going to talk about that, too. But first, got to talk about the Cash App. They're helping you stack sats, send sats, receive sats, sell sats, uh, if you so please. On top of that, they're allowing you to DCA into sats. Uh, you can buy sets daily weekly bi-weekly set it and forget it just have the peace of mind knowing that you are uh, averaging into bitcoin on a set cadence uh we're saying sats 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 because they're allowing you to make sats a standard within the app there's no more buying fractions of a bitcoin you can stack whole sats it's a more powerful feeling on top of that if you're in the, the stock market you want to stack slivers of stocks they have cash up investing which allows you to buy as little as one dollar worth of a slot of a stock uh, this is all connected to your bank account, so there's no four to five day waiting period to start stacking sats and slivers of stonks today. Uh, Cash App may even be your bank account. They're offering account number and routing numbers to individual users so you can get your paycheck direct deposit into the app. You can leave the old evil banks behind if you so please. As always, make sure you use the code stacking sats when you download the Cash App. That's S T A C K I N G S A T S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Cross. Ooh! We got a friend. What's up, Al? Do you want to come give the Al hoot? <laughs> Sound like you have a stuffy throat. Did you download the Cash App yet? Make sure you do. We're going to contribute to your friends, Al's Lacrosse in Chicago, Stacking Sets. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by good friends at Unchained Capital. The legends at Unchained Capital. They're building products for Bitcoiners with a security-first mindset and... Um, a collaborative custody mindset if you want to go from zero to a multi-sig setup in which you hold two or three keys they have a white glove concierge service where they're going to teach you everything you need to know about multi-sig they're going to ask any questions you may have about multi-sig you're going to have multiple video calls with the team and then uh, they're going to get bitcoin into a vault that you set up so it's a $1,500 package if you tell them uh, the tft TFTC sent you. If you tell them that TFTC sent you, uh, you're going to get $50 off that package. The package gets you uh, hardware wallets, again, the video conference calls. And then at the end of the day, when you set up your vault, you're going to get $1,000 sent to your vault. So you go from zero to having $1,000 worth of Bitcoin in a multi-sig setup uh, via the concierge white glove service at Unchained Capital. We're going to link to that specific concierge service in the show notes, but also be aware they're incredible blog series. Parker Lewis putting out incredible stuff on Gradually and Suddenly. Uh, they have their OTC desk, which is uh, popping up in more and more states. So if you're a high net worth individual looking to buy big chunks of Bitcoin, uh, Unchained Capital is there for you. And then they're contributing to open source, uh, most importantly, or I don't want to say importantly, and I don't want to. Uh, scale the importance of their contributions. Uh, one of my favorite of their open source contributions is Caravan, which is an open source uh, desktop app that allows you to create these multi-sig quorums without Unchained. So go to www.unchained-capital.com to check everything out. We're going to link specifically to the concierge white glove service uh, in the show notes. So make sure you check them out. And go give them a follow on Twitter, at Unchained Cap. All right, we got through that. Do we finish the shout-outs now or just go straight into? Let's finish the shout-outs. Let's bring it back to like a, a fun vibe. The rest of the shout-outs are fun. Um, and then we'll get into news that makes us angry. So this one is uh, making fun of me. I'm going to do my best. <laughs> I have not practiced this at all. So here we go. Hi, I'm Marty Bent, habitual mispronouncer of words. 
please listen as I read the following list of words. Alias, accede, anathema, camaraderie, colloquialism, demagogue, grandi- <laughs> grandiloquent, grandiloquent, maelstrom, nadir, panacea, purel, purel, sanguine, timbre, uh, worcester, onomatopoeia, uh, ignominious, defibrillator, espouse, Purell, and finally penis <laughs> from an anonymous uh, from an anonymous freak out there. Whoever sent that one in, I appreciate you tremendously. That was a good one. <laughs> I don't know how I, d- I honestly don't know how I did on that. I hope I did well. Uh, hey, Uncle Marty and Matt, love you both. Thanks for all you do. A few reminders for the freaks. Number one, spend fiat, stack sats. Number two, stay humble, shill lightly. Number three, coin join into your multi-sig wallet. P.S. Sending the shout out via strike on chain. Shout out to our boy Jack Mollers and team from our boy Sahil at Sahil. Uh, is it C zero at Sahil? I think believe C zero on Twitter. Sahil, thank you I for met the shout. Dallas. No, that's what I was gonna say. Thank you for the shout out. It was a pleasure meeting you in Dallas. Uh, a true gentleman. And uh, yeah, strike now has uh, on chain capabilities. So if you want to buy and send straight to cold storage, that isn't lightning. Uh, well, Lightning isn't cold storage. If you want to send it to your hardware wallet, uh, you can do that now with Strike. Because you can pay any Bitcoin QR code with Strike now. Yes, yes. Uh, last shout-out of the week. It just simply says, floor is set. And that's from uh, at Ronin Node, R-O-N-I-N-N-O-D-E. He's clearly talking about fees and how we're not going to have one sap per byte fees ever again. Yes, it's set. It's set. Um, thank you, Freaks, for the shout-outs. We always appreciate them. Uh, it's a fun collaborative thing we do. If you're a freak out there who wants to get a shout out on air, go to tftc.io slash contribute. Now to the stuff that pisses us off. We're going to start with the Europol report. Uh, this is probably like the least bad of the stuff that pisses us off. They just did a internet organized crime threat assessment, uh, that they released last week or actually earlier this week on the 5th. Well, the interesting part here is they mentioned both sets of spooks. Yeah, they mentioned, they mentioned Wasabi and Samurai by name. Yeah. yeah. So and, all- and Monero and and uh, Custodial Mixers. Yes. Uh, so they're, again, the, uh, the <coughs> law enforcement agencies around the world are wising up. Um, this, uh, honestly, like all the, the reports that have dropped this week, especially the DOJs today, which we'll get to later, these people know a lot. Pages. These people know a lot more than people suspected. A lot of people thought these agencies were behind the ball and uh, a bit dumb, uh, but it seems like they understand what's going on pretty, pretty well. So, be aware. Europol. Uh, we wanted to point out that they announced the the spooks by name, uh, Wasabi and Samurai. Uh, beyond that. We had travel rule rumors swirling around. I've read about the travel rule twice this week, uh, including yesterday when uh, we were made aware of this site. Uh, what's the site called? Travelruleprotocol.org. Yes, travelruleprotocol.org. This website was brought to our attention, uh, and it's pretty messed up. So this is where like the nuance comes in and trying to uh, lay this out, at least from my point of view. Obviously, I'm not an authority on this matter at all, but here's how I view it. So the travel rule, again, it's a, a rule 
that is recommended by the Financial Action Tra- Task Force that uh, that financial institutions follow and that dictates that they have to share information about particular users when they move funds from one uh, financial service provider to another. Uh, they're now extending that uh, financial service provider definition to virtual asset service providers as well. So these virtual asset service providers, uh, as per the travel rule, <coughs> uh, are potentially going to be having to share user information with each other as, as they transact between each other. And it was brought to our attention that there is a group of quote-unquote industry leaders in the virtual asset service provider space, which is basically Bitcoin exchange and financial services collaborators collaborators uh, that are working to create an API that would immediately uh, comply with the FTA FATF travel rule in a timely manner. And this is very discouraging to see because I wrote about it on Tuesday. Uh, basically, the BitMEX news from last week sort of set alarms off in my head. Like, hey, if they're doing this to BitMEX and they're being this harsh on BitMEX, like the only logical conclusion, if you play out the way the travel rule works and everything that's been going on recently from a regulatory perspective, is it's going to get to a point where these exchanges, if they bend the knee, uh, are going to be in a position where they're not allowed to allow their users to send their UTXOs from the exchange to a personal wallet. Because those personal wallets like Electrum... Trezor, cold card, whatever non-custodial wallet you may use, aren't collecting or sharing data with these providers. So the logical conclusion that I made in my head, personally, maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems like it's headed in this direction, is that if those non-custodial wallets cannot collect or share information, they won't be allowed to interact with the the uh, financial, uh, the virtual asset service providers that are FATF compliant. So what's fucked up here? The most fucked up thing here, I I think, is 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 like, cause let's be honest, these 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 large regulatory compliant exchanges and whatnot, including our our sponsor Cash App, like they have banking relationships. They have to comply with these with these with these laws, um, and they have to do their best to comply with them, and they have to work within those regulations. Um, what bothers me the most. And I don't want to insinuate that Square is a part of this organization. What bothers me the most is we don't know who who is part of it. There's no transparency there whatsoever. It's happening behind the scenes, uh, behind closed doors, and it's going to get sprung on us. And I'm very concerned. We do, we really do not know anything. And it, and me and Marty are pretty connected, so I can imagine the freaks are really out in the dark. Um, so first off, if you are at the table consider leaking some information to us uh we you know if you go to madadel.com there's a bunch of different ways you can can reach me that aren't on twitter or whatnot and you don't have to dox your your identity to me um i prefer if you don't so i don't even know that information and just leak the information and then we'll report on it um because in this country uh we're protected we're allowed to report on that um the second thing is yeah as marty said you know from what we have seen, from what has come up, you know, FATFA has certain red flags. Um, things like using CoinJoin. Things like using custodial mixers. Things like using unregulated exchanges like BitMEX. But also things like doing self-custody and using a hardware wallet. 
And what happens is, is I think at first we're going to see these exchanges basically say to you, when you withdraw, you basically have to agree that you're just sending to yourself. I'm sending to my own wallet. I'm taking full responsibility for that transaction. That's to me. And that way that kind of absolves them of it. And if you send to another regulated exchange, they share the information. But the ultimate end result here at the end of the day, whether that's in two years or five years or seven years, is a complete ban on self-custody. And I've said this before. When I was first getting into Bitcoin, people didn't think we were going to have KYC on all the on-ramps. Um, you know, some people were talking about it, but people really took it for granted that, that we didn't have wide, widespread KYC everywhere. And I think what happens now is people are taking for granted that they can easily self-custody. And I think in the future, that's going to become basically criminalized and there's going to be a dark period and there's going to have to be legal fights and there's going to have to be, um, it, it, it's not going to, no, no one said it's, I mean, I at least never said this was going to be like an easy thing. Like there, 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 there will be a fight and it depends where you live and it depends on a bunch of different macro things that are also happening outside of Bitcoin. But it, it's, uh. yeah. And you alluded to it earlier. It's like a situation where it's definitely don't hate the player, hate the game. And the game being the fact that the supranational unelected regulatory body and the financial action task force is setting these guidelines that then are being forced upon these financial institutions. We need to cut this hydra off at the, it's, we need to cut the hydras. I don't even know how you kill the hydra at the end of the day, but you need to, you need to cut it, cut it out at its core, which is, uh, the financial action task force. I do not, like this uh, task force at all. I don't think they do anything to actually prevent the things they want to prevent, which is trafficking uh, or laundering of money to aid drug traffickers, terrorists. I think they actually hinder the common man more and the drug dealers and the terrorists actually facilitate money laundering uh, because they're able to pay off some of the people high, high off within this financial system. Uh, so it's definitely a hate the game situation, but also put some onus on the players to stick up for their users. Like don't bend the knee. Like there are, uh, there are a bunch of industry players in this working group, but there's also some players outside of the group and, uh, the players in the group, if you're listening to this, I would posit to you, like, don't just fucking roll over and comply with this. Like what the hell was Bitcoin created for? It was to get around stuff like this. Like you, you, these companies that have profited immensely off of the Bitcoin protocol by becoming on and off ramps and service providers uh, are just turning their back on the ethos of the, the protocol and why it was founded in the first place. Like don't just roll over and get your, a dick shoved up your ass because you want to comply, like stand up for your fucking users. Um, it, push it, like, back. Yeah. We like push back. And that's why we talk about it. And I write about it a lot is the more people, the more, people are vocal about this the, the the more political pressure there is to push back on this and jeff shervinsky actually had a good uh, a good thread jake. jake shervinsky i'm sorry jake um jake had a a great thread on um i don't know why i said jeff jake had a great thread on yeah this is probably like the logical conclusion but now the battle goes to the courts and to the regulators to push back this is why we need to support p- politicians like cynthia lummis um 
Emmer uh, and a couple others that are uh, understanding of Bitcoin and the, and the revolution it brings and support them and support the people on Capitol Hill. Unfortunately, we don't like to go through the state, but if we're able to put some political pressure on these regulatory bodies to not uh, institute these overbearing regulations, like we should try to use every avenue that we can. Uh, and yeah, the fight is upon us. It's here. Look, this is, you know, it's, it's the same idea as why people get frustrated about gun laws is, is these laws, they, they're in, their stated intention is to stop crime, but criminals are unaffected. Criminals are going to keep doing criminal things. It's the law abiding citizens that have to suffer here. And we're going to be made vulnerable. This, these kind of laws are, they're anti-American at their core because, you know, we don't have the liberty of, of being the most powerful country in the world anymore in, in terms of, of terms of technology. And, our systems are wide open. We've seen plenty of times where U.S. government systems have been compromised and hacked, where banks have been compromised and hacked, where tech companies have been compromised and hacked. And if we're going to store all of this private information of Americans on our servers and not protect them securely, all you're doing is making a country of vulnerable cucks. And I will not stand for that as a patriot of this country. Neither will I. I'm right there on the front lines with you. It's... No, like to add to what Matt said there, there, these type of regulations are just going to enable the things they're trying to stop that much, that much more. You're going to push hash rate and innovation over the countries that you. you and that's the fucked up thing. It's like it's these governments fighting with each other, and just they're cutting off their nose to spite their face. Uh, all the activity is going to be pushed into the arms of the people that they deem as enemies and the American people. And frankly, Europe, Europe gets tossed in with this. England gets tossed in with this. Any Western country that follows the U S financial hegemony, uh, is going to be left the in the citizens dust. Of the world are getting fucked together. Yeah. It's fucked, man. Uh, so now we transition <laughs> to the framework that the Department of Justice released like an hour before uh, uh, we made the list. And it's an 86-page tome. Uh, it's got some good things. It's got some bad things. Uh, the way I understand it, Department of Justice is attempting to create a framework from which to view cryptocurrencies, how they can be used uh, legally and illegally, and where focus should be from a law enforcement perspective. Uh, a lot of talk about drugs and uh money laundering in the report one silver lining like shining spot where i was like wow it's actually pretty interesting it seems like they're not uh they're okay with things like wasabi and samurai right now they they don't yeah, eight, so one of the 86 pages and they didn't say coin join use was illegal or or non-custodial which is what we mentioned earlier non-custodial software yeah it, the operators the operators aren't committing a crime so no. so according to um, fincen anonymize this was like one of the blurbs according to fincen anonymizing service providers and some aec issuers are money transmitters whereas an individual or entity that merely provides anonymizing software is not which is actually like encouraging. A pretty huge distinction it's basically the distinction we've been harping on here for years now yeah um, so that was interesting. But with that being said, uh, 
it's really the posturing throughout the, I didn't read the whole thing word for word. I skimmed it, but the posturing from the department of justice seems like they want to bring in regulation to protect people from drug dealers and criminals and terrorists where again, like we said, these criminals are going to do this no matter what. And department of justice, I've got a few, few uh, pieces of advice or maybe, maybe something to think on uh, to prevent these crimes without having to curb innovation in the Bitcoin space. Number one, why don't you end the drug war right there? You cut off the, the, the definition of a criminal. You cut a lot of people out of the definition that would fall under the definition of a criminal right away. The drug war has failed abjectly. It does not work. Give it up. You're creating more criminals. Why don't we like turn it to a, it's a major criminal funding source too? Exactly. Yeah, you want to end terrorism and and the facilitation of human trafficking. A lot of that's funded by drug wars. I would argue that the Mexican cartels are terrorists. And how do they make their money? They sell drugs. Why are they able to sell drugs? Because they realize that people want drugs, and they're the only people willing to take the risk to provide it to the market. It's a very lucrative uh, risk to take. Uh, so end the drug war. You'll reduce the total amount of criminals in the world significantly. Uh, maybe stop indiscriminately bombing, which actually I think the Trump administration hand up outside of Yemen, which uh, just support of Saudi Arabia is basically a proxy for bombing Yemen. But outside of Yemen and during the Trump administration, I think we've done a pretty good job of not bombing uh, indiscriminately in the Middle East. Uh, actually, Trump announced he's pulling troops out of Afghanistan by the end of the year. We need more of that less indiscriminate bombing of people in far off lands that pisses people off and creates terrorists. Why don't we try working on these things before you hinder innovation in the Bitcoin space? I mean, why don't you start reading your suspicious activity reports for all the criminal activity that's (laughs) happening in the banking system? Right. That could help. It's just uh, give peace a chance, give peace a chance. Um, So we're going to link to the department of justice report. Again, combination of like, all right, all right, I see you there, but also like, all right, maybe focus on other areas in which you could prevent these quote unquote crimes before you hinder innovation. Um, just thought. If anybody from the Department of Justice is listening, we'd love to have you on, have a conversation about this. Matt's shaking his head now. <laughs> uh, staying on, we've got two more top, uh, three more. Eh. Two and a half more topics of news that makes us angry. Uh, the HMRC, which is the equivalent of the IRS in England, is ordering Coinbase to hand over customer records. I believe it was for anything over five thousand dollars or just any purchase. Five thousand pounds. Five thousand pounds. Yeah. In, uh, or euros London. anymore? They Brexited. Um, <laughs> they never use euros. <laughs> uh, the they yeah. still haven't officially Brexited yet. No. No, Chris Arnotti posted a funny tweet about it. I love Chris it's Arnotti. It's like the year is 2030. Uh, like the British economic minister goes over to Brussels to an- announce an extension of Brexit. And no one remembers why this tradition started in the first place. <laughs> so uh, Coinbase sent out an email to its users. Essential information about your account. We're writing to let you know about a notice uh, HM Revenue and Customs issued to Coinbase under Paragraph 1, Schedule 23 to the Finance Act of 2011. The notice requires us to report information uh, 
uh, of your Coinbase account to the HMRC. So they're, it's not even like here in the U.S. where Coinbase was able to put up a fight on behalf no, they of... they did. Did they? It was supposed to be all Coinbase users, and instead it was over 5,000 Oh, yes, pounds. yes. Excuse me, I did not... Which is what happened with Coinbase in the States. It, it was, was twenty thousand Coinbase users, but it was over 20,000, yeah. Yeah. So shout out, give props where props are due. Give proper props where yes, props are due. Coinbase standing up for users yeah. at a certain uh I mean, I have a lot of problems threshold. with Coinbase. Like, that's not one of them. They have no choice there. Yeah. Um, so any of our British freaks out there that are using Coinbase, your, uh, your tax revenue center... Well, pay your taxes, freaks. But just remember that. Yeah, obviously pay your taxes, but. But but just remember that it's not just your Coinbase history. Like if you didn't use CoinJoin after you withdrawed from Coinbase, it's all your transaction history. Yeah. That you've ever done is all you know, and it's going to be stored on some server insecurely. So. Yeah, but it, it, have fun with that. But these tax authorities should not have this authority. Like it's whatever happened to innocent. Uh, I, I won't speak for English law, but for the United States, innocent until proven guilty is a thing. Like I you don't can't. Know if that's the case in England. I don't either. That's why I bring it back to the U.S. and the IRS. Like we're innocent until proven guilty here. By trying to collect that data, you're assuming that people are acting nefariously in the first I don't place. I think that's the case with the IRS. No, but I'm not a lawyer. Any of our any of our lawyers out there? We have many of you. That are listening to this My podcast. My whole interaction with the IRS has always been guilty until proven innocent. So. Yeah, it's fucked. Maybe in name only. You are. We are all tax slaves, getting our money stolen by an incompetent state. It is what it is. It is. I must note, little breaker here. Did not watch the debate last night. I'm very happy. I decided to watch a Bond movie, and all the better for it. After the Bond movie, I went on Twitter, and people were talking about dumbass fly. I have no idea why. <laughs> I did also see the talk. I saw the the. I I did not watch the debate, but I saw the fly talk. Um, this one is I think is really big that no one really is talking about. Um, and this is that chain analysis has announced that anyone who uses their products now, if a customer deposits uh, a UTXO that has history of Bitmex, then it gets flagged with a high risk warning. Um, and this is going to go back retroactively as well. Uh, so in their systems, historically, anyone who is, has had UTXOs in the past that have de- been deposited with BitMEX history uh, are going to get flagged as well. And this just goes, you know, I mean, there's plenty, I think there's plenty of traders who would like happily throw CoinJoin users under the bus and just like, fuck you. Uh, but at, at, any, at any point, these chain surveillance companies... And their cronies that they work with uh, and, and lobbyists and regulators can just decide. Like, they can decide 300,000 Bitcoin, 400,000 Bitcoin are high risk, you know? And, and, and if that becomes the status quo, then pretty much all Bitcoin are vulnerable to it. It's like, wait, what do you, are you, so are we just going to, you're just supposed to buy Bitcoin and just keep it in a custodian that's regulated for the rest of eternity because you can never accept Bitcoin or spend Bitcoin without doing like massive chain analysis till the ends of time to make sure that, that you can spend your Bitcoin in the future. It's like the end result there. And it's, it's, it's untenable. We can't have that. It's untenable. Maybe it gets to the point where doing chain analysis gets too expensive for these companies it's too burdensome to even do it so they don't do it in the first place we can only hope that we get to that point that's why it's impo- important to coin join your coins uh why you still can 
it, it aids and busting those heuristics that makes that process uh, more tedious, more expensive, and more drawn out, which will disincentivize the act in the first place in the future. But but as, as the freak said earlier, disclosure, uh, if you don't want to take any risk whatsoever, then, you know, don't do that. Yes, it is a risk that you will be taking, but it's a risk that will pay off in a uh, more robust Bitcoin network that is less susceptible from these chain analysis attacks, chain surveillance attacks, as we like to talk to them. All right, call them, talk to them. We don't talk to these attacks. They're not people. They're inanimate uh, implementations of of somebody else. Uh, All right, on to good news. Square bought $50 million worth of Bitcoin yesterday. I believe it was like something like 4,079 Bitcoin was the amount they were able to acquire. Uh, So they've released that news today. And most importantly, uh, they've released a white paper that open sourced their process. They, They explained why... They added Bitcoin to their balance sheet, how they executed the trades, uh, how they're custodying their Bitcoin. They're self-custodying. They are a custodian, but they've built their own cold storage uh, implementation called Sub-Zero, and they're using that. They're putting skin in the game with their own uh, their own treasury holdings. Uh, they're explaining insurance. Uh, they basically have crime insurance on their holdings and how they're accounting for the Bitcoin on their balance sheet as well. I just thought this was very interesting and it's a good topic to bring up and circle back on what we were talking about earlier about players pushing back. And that's why, again, I'm still very comfortable having Cash App as a sponsor of this podcast. It's because I believe that Square's uh, actions as they uh, have offered Bitcoin services for the last three years are really principled and align with why I'm a Bitcoin. Start of Come a ca- on, Jack. Started with Cash App, allowing uh, allowing people to get access to Bitcoin very easily in their app. I started Square Crypto to give back to the open source community, which is building the non-custodial products, particularly BTC Pay Server and the Lightning Development Kit and the Bitcoin Development Kit uh, that will build non-custodial products that allow Bitcoin Bitcoiners to secure their Bitcoins and use it uh, more easily. And then they have the open patent thing. And now uh, this news getting skin in the game, putting their mouth, their money where their mouth is, getting Bitcoin on their balance sheet, open sourcing their process, and potentially making it easier for other publicly traded companies to get Bitcoin on their balance sheets as well. I just really like what I'm seeing out of it. And uh, second publicly traded company to officially hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Come on, Jack. Only $50 million. What is this fucking pleb shit? <laughs> People are giving a bunch of shit for that. They could no, sk- I mean, I'm, I, I kid, I kid. I think even though it's a way less amount than MicroStrategy, uh, I, I think it's, um, I think it's a bigger deal than MicroStrategy because Square is like a massive company. Yeah. Um, there was like a, a lot more due diligence and stuff had to be, had to be done. While, while MicroStrategy is a smaller, closely held company that really, at the end of the day, like Michael Saylor got to kind of do what he wanted to do. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I do think it's a bigger deal, and I agree with you. I think that Jack is fighting the good fight. Um, do not agree with all of his politics, but I, you don't have to agree with everyone. No. You know, back in the day, you used to not discuss politics at the dinner table. I, sometimes I wish we got, went back to that. Yeah. Don't always agree with what's going on at Twitter, but we're going to focus on Square. Uh, somebody emailed me today 
saying we don't talk about the the withdrawal limits enough. We don't criticize Cash App. We have criticized the withdrawal limits on this podcast, and they'll do it again right now. They're too low, especially if the Bitcoin price goes up during this bull market. They're going to need to be raised. With that being and said, and you should always withdraw, 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 withdraw. Don't keep your money on on Cash App and withdraw to CoinJoin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but know the risks. Know the risk. And I and and as it pertains to the withdrawal limits, I don't think. Uh, the Cash App team likes them either, and I think Jack Dorsey alluded to that when I recorded with him last year. People ran with the, he's buying $10,000 a week, and I think he was actually hinting at the fact that he doesn't like the limits in both directions, whether buying or moving off the app. Um, yeah, but if you just want cuck money, then you could just leave it on the app. Yeah, enjoy your cuck money, cuck. Uh... Software updates. We're in the software updates section of the list already. We're almost an hour in. That flew by. Time flies when you're when you're mad at the news. <laughs> uh, it's been such a weird week for me, man. Right? A lot of mixed feelings. Uh, I think it's overall bullish, though. Again, make people more aware of this stuff. Be vocal. People really discount the the power of actually voicing your opinion, getting out to the public. And that's the beauty of Twitter. Even though I don't always agree with what Twitter does, if you have good ideas out there and you're able to amplify it, they do catch on sometimes. I believe the newsletter and this podcast are an example of that. I just fucking hit record and put my voice out there and you freaks seem to like it and more people are picking it up. And I don't know if it's having an impact. It might be. I think definitely stir some conversations and that's the least you can do. If you want to help push back against this, just speak up against it. Uh, not really a software update, but a summary of a potential software update. The Shorebits team has a very thorough Schnorr summary. It's a series. Uh, so shout out to Chris Stewart, Nadav Cohen. Uh, Nadav is the author of the series uh, and our good friend Ben, the car man. The Shorebits team doing big things uh, for DLCs, uh, for uh, they're building their own Bitcoin implementation. Uh, for a bunch of things. So go check that out. We're going to link to that. If you want to learn more about Schnorr, it's a very thorough summary uh, in, in, a bu- in a bunch of different blog posts. Something just happened in my backyard. I don't know what's going on. Your denial just fell out of the sky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it's an omen. <laughs> um, all right, you run through the software updates. I'm, like, out of breath here. Yeah? Okay, cool. This is fun. Spectre V0.8.1. Uh, has been released. Respector Maximus over here. It's the easiest way to use your full node um, with your hardware wallet, especially in a multi-sig situation, um, but even single-sig. Uh, we have Bitcoin Wallet Tracker V0.1.5, uh, which is an easy plugin that lets you use Electrum with your full node. Um, Blockstream Green Desktop V0.0.4, which is mostly bug fixes. It'd be nice um, if they added full node support, coin control, uh sparrow v0.9.5 uh not sure what the updates are there blue wallet v5.6.1 this one's pretty massive uh it adds pay join support which is compatible with btc pay server so you can um you can pay a btc pay server invoice just like if you if you use our BTC Pay server instance on uh, tftc.io slash contribute, uh, if you do it with a pay join, basically our store it contributes an input to the transaction, uh, which defeats the common input 
ownership heuristic, which is that anything on the input side is owned by the same person. It basically clusters our wallet with your wallet. So it looks like uh, our wallets are the same wallet. Uh, and it also helps mask the amount being paid. Uh, so that's a, it's a, that's a pretty big improvement. There is a common misconception that pay joining with yourself is a benefit. Uh, there might be some tiny slight benefit, but really because the heuristic is basically clustering the two wallets together, if you cluster your own wallets, uh, you're, you're not really, there's no, there's no, nothing really that you're accomplishing there. Um, so great to see that. I know they're about to release multi-sig. I don't think it's out yet. It's just being teased on the interwebs. Uh, BTC pay server V 1.0.5.7 has been released. Uh, fully noted V0.1.90 has been released. Uh, I've been meaning to reach out to Fontaine, but I know he listens to the pod, so I'll just reach out to him here. I don't see the update on on the GitHub repo, so I'm curious about that. But it, it's an iPhone app, so you, you can't download an APK anyway. Um, but that's a that's a, he has a bunch of bug fixes there. Um, what else do we have? Oh, Ledger Live has added coin control and full node support, which is fucking massive. We've been uh, teasing that for a while now. Uh, I know we have a bunch of Ledger guys that listen to the podcast. Very happy to see this. This is a massive privacy improvement. This is the kind of thing we want to see. We want to see, I mean, the ideal situation is that every Bitcoin wallet should be a privacy wallet. Like, they should all take privacy best practices in account. They should all have advanced features that allow a power user to use them more privately. Um, two big ones there are coin control and full node support. So it's really big to see that. They also said labeling's coming, um, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, and, and you know, people don't discuss it enough. Like on Bitcoin Twitter land, like no one talks about Ledger Live, but it's a very common wallet. A lot of people are using Ledger Live, so it's really good to see. Now, Hexa Wallet V1.2.0 has been released. On this podcast, I've never talked about it, but I am a paid advisor for them. I've disclosed it on Twitter. It's also on my website, mattodell.com. So he's got a nice full disclosure there. I've been advising them, trying to help them build the best wallet they can build. Um, it should not be considered an endorsement in any kind of way. Uh, they they have given me 0.75% equity. I don't think anyone actually discloses the amount of equity they get. So I'm trying to be a trailblazer there. And you can see that all on mattodell.com. But anyway, this feature that got dropped today is a feature that I've been very bullish about and that I've been trying to get them to add. And I would like to see other you know, wallets offer something similar too so it could be distributed more. But it's basically an easy way to accept donations. And, and what we've seen is like BTC Pay, super bullish on BTC Pay. I'm wearing the hat. You can host it yourself, accept donations, completely sovereign uh, with your own full note. That's a pretty difficult for people. Uh, and I think what you need is you need, we, we see these people get deplatformed. They get deplatformed from like Patreon or something like that. Uh, and, and we say to them like, oh, you can take Bitcoin instead. And, and it's not easy for them. It's a very complicated process. With this new feature, they can basically in five minutes, any schmuck can just download the app and just immediately start accepting Bitcoin donations. Uh, non-custodial. Right now, it's on-chain only uh, because they don't want to do lightning custodial. So it's on-chain only. Uh, and you are trusting them with your privacy. And you're trusting them to actually deliver the address. And if you want to level up from there, then you use BTC Pay Server. And you don't have to do that. Uh, but I think it's important that we have this 
this this middle ground where people can accept donations in Bitcoin and not reuse the same address over and over again. Uh, and it gives you this nice little interface. It shows when people pay. And if they pay with Hexa, it, you can actually add a message to it as well that shows up on the little the little splash page. Yeah, I was very impressed by the demo that you posted today. Setting that up. In I got really excited, minutes. so I just immediately posted. <laughs> that was pretty dope, sleek. Shout out to the Hexa team. We met them. I met them for the first time last year at Bitblock Boom, uh, and they've been grinding ever since. Where the wallet is today compared to where it was when I first met the team last year is is leap and bounds uh, ahead of of what it was. So shout out to the Hexa team. Thank you for advising uh, with some good ideas. It seems like they're they're implementing them, and um, thank you for disclosing the equity. Yeah, of, of course. I mean, it, I still think it's weird. I mean, look, the way I look at it is I talk to so many different projects and so many different teams in the space all the time. Some of them give me equity, uh, and as long as I fully disclose it, I think that's important. I will drop them if they ever added a shitcoin or behaved unethically. Um, but I, I, I do think... And and I want people to be clear here. It's definitely still a beta product. Uh, you know, don't store large amounts, especially on a phone wallet. Um, you know, I, I I think like the best. I I think number one rule of thumb is you should be using multiple wallets. But I really I really like the cold card plus Spectre plus Bitcoin Core setup, and I think you can level that up with multisig. And as I said on this podcast, um, it's. We're still a little bit off from that, so don't go crazy. You know, play around with it and learn. But we're we're very, very close to, to that reality. Uh, I, for the Hexa team, love them. They're great. All, almost fully Indian team, which we don't. I don't think we see a lot of... Um, I, that, that, that community is not as, as big as you'd expect it to be, at least. You know, I mean, they're one of... The, are they the biggest country in the world? Are they bigger than China? I believe they're number two behind China. But they're all English speaking. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is it's it's pretty amazing. So I think it's going to be a massive market for Bitcoin. And I think, you know, mobile wallets, most people's only computer is their phone. So um, if we could have I want to see more mobile apps uh, that that try and make best practices as easy as possible. Uh, so like the the dream is to like have to have an app that both like the Peter McCormick's of the world and then the us's of the world can use and be happy with. Right. And if we can scale up for those different users, that would be the, the dream. The UX improves. And actually China is number one in world population, but India is way closer than I thought. China, according to Google, take this with a grain or a census.gov, uh, currently has one point one billion three hundred ninety four million fifteen thousand nine hundred seventy seven people living within its borders uh or that are chinese citizens is probably the better way to phrase that india is not too far behind only 68 or 67 million people less at 1 billion 326 million 93,247 indian citizens i always thought china had 2 billion they're very close um if you had important on your on your bingo card this week, you've hit it twice already. So make sure you, you get that square filled. Well, have I been saying important? <laughs> that was the third time. I've heard, I've heard two. Uh, um, then, needless to say, they don't uh, they don't give me equity for my pronunciations. <laughs> I, me neither. Uh, 
I actually don't have equity in anything. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even. Not miners. Uh, not a Great American Mining. Yes, there. I mean, that's, uh, but I work for them. I'm not advising. Um, yeah, fair. I'm up front. With I mean, them. I look. I I talk to these. If, I'm a bit, like if 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 someone's gonna put me as an advisor, like I'm gonna like I'm gonna be up in your grill all the time, and I'm like probably a pretty fucking annoying advisor. That's like what, he, that's what you want. I though. told them. I I told them I wanted tour as a default. They're like, "Fuck you, Matt." Like, what? Like, how are we supposed to do that performance wise? I was like, "I don't know. Figure it out." <laughs> uh, speaking of performance, it'll be interesting to see if the twenty five hundred S nineteen Pros that Riot Blockchain bought uh, and have had delivered will perform. Uh, up they haven't to snuff. delivered yet, right? No, they they haven't delivered. Yeah, um, they're pre orders. Yes. They should be, pre- uh, they should be, yes, I was wrong. They're scheduled to be delivered in mid-2021. Uh, so Riot announced, again, Riot's a publicly traded company, so I think they have to announce stuff like this, or at least it's public information that anybody can find. They announced Tuesday that they paid $6.1 million for, again, 2,500 S19 Pros. Uh, this should add about 2.3 exahashes uh, to the Bitcoin network, uh, to, um, oh, excuse me. The total amount of hash rate that Riot will contribute to the Bitcoin network at that point will be 2.3 exahash per second, which, uh, to put that in context for you freaks, that's about uh, two-thirds the amount of hash rate that has contributed to the slush pool. So it's a pretty significant mining operation there. They'll have more than a percent of the overall hash rate, I believe, if it was factored in today. Obviously, there'll be more people plugging in miners, so... You have to take that into consideration. But Riot, shout out to expanding your business. No, they've had a tumultuous past, but I've talked to um, the board at Riot in the past, and I think they're they're actually building like a pretty legitimate mining business here in the United States. Um, but again, with that being said, if you freaks listen to my episode with Leo Zhang uh, that dropped on Tuesday, uh we go into what's going on a bit main and the unreliability of the hardware they've been shipping. So here's the hoping they can write the ship with the S19 pro, uh, for riot's sake. I actually really don't have many good things to say about Bitmain, but you never want to see somebody buy something and it not work for them. So hopefully the shipment of, uh, Bitmain miners doesn't have a high failure rate. Like a lot of recent shipments have had, Matt's just staring out yeah. the window. No, I mean, uh, Riot was like kind of scammy in the beginning, but it seems like they're trying to right their ship. Uh, I know Pierre has joined them as an advisor. Um, yes. And he's got a good head on his shoulders. So hopefully they don't get completely fucked here. But, you know, historically, pre-ordering miners, especially from Bitmain, has been a um, questionable idea. Yeah, yeah. To, to say the least. We shall see. And again, I want to preface it like I've spoken to the the a couple of the board members at Riot. They are trying to write the ship. It was a little weird that they uh, transitioned from like a medical uh, med tech investment company to a Bitcoin. They were like one I think of the. They com- own it, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do own it. Um, you have to in that regard. Uh, but yeah, trying to write the ship, try to build a legitimate mining business here in the United States, and we shall see what happens. What. Uh, what I'm most interested to see is if Bitmain delivers on time. Um, 
on top of the the failure rate of that batch. Uh, next here, this is pretty pretty big development. The second time we've had uh, some of the stolen coins from the Bitfinex hack. What was that? 2016 move this year. 26 million. Bitfinex. Uh, Bitfinex. Yeah, that was stolen. Uh, has moved today. Well, alerts alerted the market to that. I believe it was something uh, like eight transactions. Yeah, the whale alert caught it. Yeah, that's what I said, right? Uh, maybe. Uh, this was the 2016 hack? Yeah, Yeah, they got around 120,000 Bitcoin, which is insane. Uh, Bitfinex hot wallet got hacked, if I remember correctly. Uh, so what are they, what are these, like, so they're just moving them into wallets? You think they're coin joining these? If you're moving that much money to coin join, that's probably not the best way. Bitfinex hacker, you probably want to do it in smaller chunks so you don't pollute your yeah i don't really know what the hell's going on here i mean they obviously they haven't moved it to exchanges or anything yeah uh maybe they're just testing the waters seeing what's up you know yeah yeah um, a few freaks are wearing around that's pretty big news it was pretty that made the price dump pretty significantly i just realized oh that was like a massive that was like almost all of their coin like it was like one hundred thirty thousand coins or something ridiculous wasn't yeah. it yeah and i'm pretty but it was less it was less, uh, it was 2016, so we weren't even over $1,000 yet. No, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that saga, I forget how they, oh, yeah, that's when the Bitfinex token, that's what spurred yeah. Tether, right? Spurred, spurred Tether, too, right? That's one thing that we didn't mention uh, last week with the whole BitMEX thing is one thing BitMEX does have going for it is it's pretty amazing that Tether and Bitfinex has been able to stand up to U.S. government regulators this whole time. And and BitMEX is almost more insulated because they have zero ties to banking system. Um, and, and, and on that note, we did miss one topic here, is that BitMEX has been changed. They changed their leadership today, uh, presumably to help fight, you know, these charges from the CFTC better. Uh, their founders stepped down and new people stepped up to run the day-to-day. Yes. Yeah. So Arthur Hayes and um, Samuel Reed, Arthur, the CEO, Samuel, the CTO, stepped down. Uh, Vivian Ku, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. It's not even Vivian, it's Vivian. Again, Marty's pronunciations here. How would you pronounce that? Vivian? Vivian? Uh, Maybe it is Vivian. Vivian Ku, who was the chief operating officer at 100X Group, which is one of their. Um, one of their subsidiaries is becoming the interim CEO. Uh, she joined, yeah, it's Vivian. She joined the company in March, 2019. Uh, and she was the managing director in Asia Pacific compliance for Goldman Sachs. So she's got a pretty robust, um, resume there. Uh, Ben Radcliffe is enhancing yeah, his responsibility for client relationship handling and oversight of financial products. He joined earlier this year He's got a 20-year background uh, with trading technology at Deutsche Bank, UBS, and Tower Research Capital. So we have a bit of a reshuffling there. Again, I'm a fan of BitMEX and the product they built and the fact that they stayed true to Bitcoin's ethos and uh, were very good stewards, particularly of how they interacted with the chain, um, how they interacted with their customers up until the U.S. government sort of reached in and uh, 
provide incredible technical content, incredible commentary, and they also support developers in the Bitcoin ecosystem with grants. So I'm a fan of BitMEX. I hope they they get through this rel- not unscathed. Obviously, that doesn't seem like that's going to happen, but with the least amount of damage is is possible. Yeah. It should be interesting uh, to watch it all play out. Yeah. Speaking of sponsorships, this is pretty cool. I didn't see this until you posted it in the last mempool. That's space sponsorships. What's going on here? So this is fun. Uh, we love mempools.space here. I use it pretty much every day. Uh, it allows you to view a picture of of their mempool. Everyone has their own mempool, but an idea of what the fees are in a very easy to understand way. Um, our good friend Wiz is is one of the maintainers. Uh, we have had him on the pod. If you haven't listened to that episode, you should go back and listen to it. That was actually mostly focused on BISC, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did talk about Mempool a little bit. Anyway, they added this new sponsor ability where you could, if you donate uh, 0.01 Bitcoin, um, oh my God, if you donated a million sats, uh, Blasphemy. Shame. I brought shame on my family. Um, <laughs> if you donate a million sats, then you could be displayed as a sponsor on the page. And I think that's like a cool way of supporting open source projects. Like it'd be cool if all of our favorite Bitcoin open source projects offer this. And it's it's completely automated. Uh, you just click to become a sponsor at mempool.space slash about. Um, you put in your Twitter handle if you want to be credited for it. Otherwise, you don't have to be. And once you pay, it just pops your picture up on there. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right now. Cool little social reward mechanism. And right now we have we have we have eight eight sponsors already up there. Marty's about to be Make it nine. About to be the ninth. Let me see. So I think that's pretty cool. I'd like to see more more doing that. We we have you know, the the idea of like the social feedback that you're displayed uh usually brings in more donations. So I, I the mempool.space is a completely open source project. You can actually run it on your own node, which I do as well, which is awesome. Um, you can connect to it through Tor, which is, you know, is a very nice benefit for privacy. Uh, but uh, because it's open source, you can put in that sponsorship mechanism that they have into into your project as well. So that's, I think, a, a really cool idea. Boom, I'm up there. Are you up there? Yeah, there we go. There he is. Boss. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, that's the beauty of Bitcoin. That happened, what, geez, when did I start that transaction? We're going into my mobile wallet like less than 45 yeah, like seconds ago. I'm on a fucking I wonder website. if they remove you if you double spend because they, they add you. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. I'm not going to double spend on you guys, though. Thank you for your contribution. Yeah, uh, we appreciate you. Yeah, I said we were done with news that makes us angry, but non-Bitcoin news related news that makes us angry uh classrooms are starting to surveil their students under the guise they're going to fight covid uh so a story came out in the markup.org haven't heard of this till you brought it up uh it's pretty infuriating uh, the tour twitter account brought it up and that's how i saw it yeah yeah so there's a school district in georgia with 24 schools that reopened its classrooms and it included a uh a a new surveillance technology equipped with thermal imaging and the cameras are made by 
Hikvision, which is a Chinese provider of facial recognition tools and other surveillance equipment. So you have uh, school districts in America uh, using the coronavirus as an excuse to buy surveillance technology to surveil your children, uh, to check their thermal uh, heat images and watch them as they go around being children and trying to hinder their ability to do that. Um, it's pretty fucked. Yeah, this is why, like, I, you know, it's happening all around us. We've never been in this situation before, this kind of Orwellian surveillance society. And it and and it's through this partnership. It's this corporate surveillance partnership with, with government surveillance. And the problem is, is on the corporate side, there's even less protections than on the government side. And it's just being leveraged by tons of bad actors. And I'm not willing to stand by. Like, I, we, we can't let this happen. Like, I'm not cool with this mentality that, that some big corners have where, like, it's, or just people in general have where it's just, it is what it is. Privacy is dead and we're fucked. You know, like that, I can't, can't live that way. Like, that's not, that's not the way I plan to live my life. And we need to push back here because if we don't push back, who the fuck is going to push back? Yeah. And don't fucking partner with a Chinese surveillance company. It's definitely sending that data back to the CCP. Like, what the fuck? Like, are you kidding me? And anyone else who hacks their system. Yes. And think about you're sending, again, as public school system, you're sending your school, your school, you're sending your children to prison, basically. Public school system in America is pretty, pretty fucking terrible these days. And uh, not only is it a metaphorical jail that jails your mind and the the exploration of creativity while you're a young child but it's now becoming more of an actual prison with surveillance that will separate your children if they have a fever and label them as outcast that need to be quarantined we found a cure to covid trump said it today he called it a cure we can't be afraid of this shit anymore what was the cure that he, that he, uh, that he found? The medicine he took, whatever. Uh, we have he, g- I suppose he was like, he took like $2 million worth of medication. Really? Interesting. Because yeah, he like took some like experimental synthetic antibodies or something. What a saga that was. So that started what? Late Thursday night and a Friday morning after we recorded last week and people thought he was going to die. And he was out in like three days. He went on the White House balcony and took his mask off and all. All the blue check marks on Twitter freaked the fuck out. Uh, I'm so tired Noise. of this shit. Noise is right. Um, I, yeah. I, d- I did like the message. Like, you can't be afraid of this anymore. Like, you can't live your life in fear from this disease. Like, I mean, I just think I think that's in general. Like, you shouldn't live your life in fear. Like, people are soft. Dude, I was in f- Not just... That, that's the thing. That's what... There's, Bitcoiners are too cocky about so much shit. Like... We we watched the the whole economy get shut down and no one do shit globally, you know. It's surveillance measures get increased, like, and everyone just goes along with it. So this idea, this idea that significant damage can't be done to Bitcoin and Bitcoiners um, by governments around the world is, uh, you know, a false sense of security. Like we see how easily and quickly this shit can change. Yeah. And again, what is the simplest thing you can do to push back against this? Speak up. Don't sit there complacently 
sitting there silent is complicitly allowing this stuff to happen. Think of the future you want for your children, your grandchildren, yourself. God, stop being a cuck. And if you're listening to this podcast, I, 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 I bet you're part of the code. Your your people to speak up. Um, advise others to speak up. It's crazy, man. Like I was in Philly last weekend in one particular neighborhood and everybody was wearing masks walking outside. It was like a beautiful fall day and people were like myself and my wife weren't wearing masks. We were getting like scowled out. It was like, what the f- people are completely brainwashed. Like that's what I'm saying. You think like, uh, just using Bitcoin won't be a suspicious activity. Speak up freaks. You got anything else, Matt? Yeah. Uh, d- there was a little bit of noise there, but talking about some signal, our fellow Bitcoin podcasters had, uh, there was two podcasts that I'd like to point out. Um, Stefan had Godfrey Bloom on. What a legend. Um, yeah. Who honestly, like that guy, like I just sounded like a boomer version of me. I, it was like pretty crazy to hear, you know, for someone to say like, we've never been in this situation before. Um, and that like, politicians have no idea what they're doing or whatever but of being of his age instead of and our be, age and being is a politician refreshing right like yeah oh, is he ex-politician well yeah like he well he's like famous among bitcoiners uh outside of his announcement that he's getting into bitcoin last week because like he's oh he's that video yeah he's the video like in european in parliament. parliament right yeah yeah, like just. Well, I didn't put two and two together. Yeah. Okay. 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 No wonder. No wonder. No wonder. So he's been making a round. Anyway, that's for a years. great episode. Everyone should go listen to that. Stefan Levera, and then our boy Gladstein was on, um, what Bitcoin did with Peter McCormick, um, and he was talking about how Bitcoin is helping protesters in Belarus, and I think it's just really important for people to realize, um. Like we, Bitcoin is helpful. Like one of the the major benefits of improving Bitcoin privacy guarantees is 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 that it's helpful to people in need, right? Which is something we talk about so much in the Bitcoin world. Um, and we have to, you know, we have to be very careful because these surveillance tools, these things we normalize, they end up getting abused by authoritarians and dictators. In this case. Um, Lukashenko, and 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 if 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 we if we just stand by, then these authoritarians are going to come in and they just cut off their detractors from the financial system. They track all of their purchases. It's a, it's like amazingly intimate. The things you can tell about a person if you know all of their financial transactions, and it, it's it's super imperative for freedom that that we push back on this shit. I agree. Um, and with that being said. You bring it up Belarus, uh, sparked the fact that the, uh, I guess it's a full-blown war now between Armenia and Azerbaijan is going on. Um, I'm going to raise my hand here. Admittedly, a bit of an ignorant American with this situation. I just know it's pretty hairy. Um, seems like you have stronger nations backing. Um, I think Turkey's backing Azerbaijan to an extent. It seems to be a proxy war for some minerals, uh, and it's just never fun when, when wars break out. So any Armenian or Azerbaijani, um, Azeri, I believe is the correct term there, uh, freaks out there, feel for you if you're caught in the middle of this. 
Uh, yeah, I think Turkey is backing Azerbaijan and yeah, well, Turkey. Uh, Russia is backing Armenia. Iraq? Russia. Russia, yeah, makes sense. I mean... Um, yeah. But I, I'm like, I also will raise my hand. I'm not, you know, um, that well-versed on it. I will say one thing. It is sad and alarming how none of this ever, you know, none of this is really getting spoken about. Yeah. Um, yeah, so even though we're ignorant on this subject, I thought uh, it's important to bring up that it is going on. And I actually am going to make an effort to learn more about it over the weekend. My, my basic understanding here is that the Azerbaijanis, Azeris, Azerbaijan is, is the aggressor here and, and they appear to be objectively in the wrong, but... Yes. Uh, like that's, I said, I have not been paying attention. That's the way well. I understand it as well. It seems to be over some uh, some energy sources, which is a shame. One interesting thing is how like Twitter is being leveraged and how social media is being leveraged. Like the official Azerbaijan and Armenia accounts are like tweeting out like kill shot videos of like taking out tanks and stuff like live. That's yeah, crazy. Which I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. Or very little of, of, of from the official government accounts. It's one thing if like you, you know, like the Syrian civil war was happening. We had all the Reddits, you know, where they were where they were categorizing and stuff. But to actually see it from the official Twitter accounts in real time is 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 pretty crazy. It's surreal, right? Welcome yeah. to the digital age, freaks. That was a good rip. A mixture of good and bad news. I think important talk, topics were covered. Important nuance was discussed. Uh, when are you coming back from your travels? Are we just gonna? Should just we just agree with all the freaks that are just gonna bend the knee, send all of our Bitcoin to KYC exchanges, and just custody it with them, and just call it quits? You know, it's, it was a good run. You know, pack it up. We're done here. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice try. Yeah. But we failed. Yeah, humanity's just doomed for digital panopticon for the rest of the time. All your transactions traced, tracked, immediately taxed, prohibited from being sent. Enjoy Ask it. Ask your local politician for permission before you buy anything or travel anywhere. Yeah. Have a kid. You, you know what the pods... Or you send the kid to school. The pods aren't that bad, man. Neither are the bugs. I hear they taste like chicken. Love your pod. Love your bugs. Love your chip. The chip is there for your protection. But to answer your question, uh, I, I do need to go back home. I'm going to move my stuff into storage, and then I'm going to hit the road again. Ooh. So, Ooh. But I did get a, I got a nice new travel mic. Uh, so we'll be good. We'll have nice audio quality. and It's, it's really fucking... It, it, go, it doesn't go... We don't state it enough. It's really fucking cool. That all we need is a laptop and a mic, and we can broadcast to the entire world on an open platform, this RSS feed podcast system, you know, where, like, anyone can listen on any app they want or no app. They can just listen in a browser. Like, that's really fucking cool and powerful, I, and uh, I love you, all you freaks. Another, so that's a benefit of the digital age. Fight for this open. Maybe one day, if we don't fight for this stuff, Matt and I will not be allowed to communicate with each other. <laughs> we'll only be We'll only be able to do... Spotify exclusive censored podcasts where we talk about Ripple and Libra and how they're the future of, of banking. Yes, you heard it here first. Libra and Ripple going to revolutionize the world. Enjoy your weekend, freaks. Peace and love.